This is The Political Insider with Bill Ballinger. The Political Insider is your inside source on politics from the White House to the State House and all points in between. If it's in the headlines, The Political Insider will have the story. Let's get started. Here's Bill Ballinger. Good morning. It may seem like a sleepy week in mid-August the lull between the August 7th primary and the upcoming state conventions uh, about a week from now. But actually, there was quite a bit going on this week in Michigan politics. Uh, Some things that we should note, for instance, uh, Treasury Department of the state of Michigan is suggesting, uh, you know, uh, we could take this uh, online sales tax that the U.S. Supreme Court says that the states uh, are now legally able to levy um, probably would bring in $200 million a year in Michigan in the first year, they think, and let's put it into roads. So let's add it on to the money that the legislature has already appropriated for infrastructure repair, mainly roads and highways and bridges. A couple of years ago, I think we've seen a lot of orange barrels around the state this summer. So, you know, there's work going on. But a lot more needs to be done. Uh, Democrats are claiming nowhere near enough money has been put into infrastructure. Uh, Gretchen Whitmer's campaign theme, if she had one in the primary, was fix the damn roads. And, uh, of course, the question is, where is that money going to come from beyond what's already been appropriated? And the Republicans are saying, well, Gretchen Whitmer's plan, as you can imagine, is to hike your taxes. And we had a ballot proposal back in May of 2015, Proposal 1, on whether to hike the sales tax 1% for that purpose, and it was resoundedly defeated, 80% to 20%, the worst defeat for a ballot proposal in 70 years. So this battle will continue, but at least money is going into fixing the roads right now, and uh, more of it is on the way. Um, Also, Uh, letters went out from the state department of health and human services saying that for able-bodied adults, 18 to 49 years old, 67,000 of them around the state, uh, beginning October 1st, uh, they're going to have to uh, show that they are working or on the way to getting a job in order to continue to get food assistance. Uh, no more free ride on food assistant taxpayers' funds unless you're working. Uh, this was a requirement that was put into law by the majority Republicans in the State House and Senate uh, late this spring, signed into law by Governor Snyder. Democrats largely opposed it, saying uh, people should not have to uh, work uh, to get food assistance. Many of these people are helpless. Uh, unable to work. Uh, if they get work, uh, it's going to cost them, uh, valuable time and childcare and everything else that they're now, uh, utilizing. And, uh, this is cruel and unnecessary. So there's some fault lines there between the parties. Uh, also we should look at the fact that, um, there's still some cleanup going on from the August 7th primary. Uh, for instance, uh, down in the fifth state Senate district in Detroit, uh, where you had a massive upset 
Uh, David Knizek, a state senator incumbent, uh, considered a rising star in the Democratic Party, was upended by a complete political unknown, Betty Jean Alexander, uh, came out of nowhere, blindsided him. Uh, she didn't spend anywhere close to the $1,000 that she would be allowed to spend uh, without signing a waiver. And in fact, uh, she insists and her campaign advisor, former state representative Lamar Lemons, insists she spent zero on the campaign. And David Knizek thought he had a free ride, but he got clobbered by 9% by Betty Jean Alexander. And David Knizek still hasn't conceded. Uh, he hasn't called Betty Jean Alexander up. Uh, we've got an interview on the ballingerreport.com slash Friday morning podcast, the Friday morning podcast.com. You can go to that, go to the ballingerreport.com. You can hear it, an interview with Betty Jean Alexander and her brother-in-law, Lamar Lemons. Lamar Lemons is her brother-in-law and he was the mastermind behind this campaign and uh, they have not heard from David Knizek for that matter, other than I think uh, Senate Democratic leader Jim Ananick of Flint. Uh, they haven't really heard from any senators congratulating them, and they've gotten very few uh, congratulatory messages from other members of the Democratic establishment. Uh, people are waiting to see what Betty Jean Alexander turns out like because if she's certified as the winner, which she almost certainly will be, she's pretty much got a free ride in November. Uh, there is a Republican nominee, but it's a heavily Democratic district. So she's going to be the next state senator from the 5th State Senate District. And everybody's waiting to see uh, whether Lamar Lemons is going to be helping her in her office as chief of staff or in some other capacity and kind of holding her hand, at least at the outset walking her through things. Uh, Lamar Lemons, former state representative, who, by the way, has a very interesting political history himself. Uh, he was elected to a few terms in the state house early in this century. And near the end of his tenure, uh, he persuaded his father, whose name is Lamar Lemons, the second to run in a neighboring state house district. And Lamar Lemons, the second also won along with his son, Lamar Lemons III, although Lamar Lemons III has never used the third. He's just Lamar Lemons. His father is Lamar Lemons II. So they served for one term side by side in the State House of Representatives. Then they were term limited, and uh, they have been out of Lansing since that time. They've tried to come back several times. Uh, Lamar Lemons III ran this summer in the same primary with Betty Jean Alexander, not in her district, another district for the state Senate. He did not win, but if his uh, sister-in-law, Betty Jean Alexander won, he may come out just about as well, if not better than if he'd been elected in his own right. So that's going on as a cleanup detail from the uh, August 7th primary. And then we should look at the uh, first congressional district, which is a massive congressional district in landmass. It's all the upper peninsula and it is the Northern 
uh, you know, I, I'd say almost like one quarter of the state lower peninsula, uh, all in one district. It is the second largest land mass congressional district east of the Mississippi. The only one that's bigger is one in Northern Maine, the state of Maine. Other than that, this is the biggest district there is very sparsely populated. The upper peninsula, I think, as everybody knows, has only 3% of the state population. And the Democrats had a candidate. They have a candidate. And his name is Matt Morgan. Um, He has a military background. He messed up his petition. Uh, He did not have his proper address on the petitions, and they were ruled invalid, even though he had clearly enough signatures to qualify. And so he was knocked off the primary ballot. Uh, So he had to conduct a write-in campaign. And he had to get something like, uh, you know, 3,500 signatures uh, written in by people in the 1st Congressional District. Well, he ended up getting 31 to 32,000 signatures written in. So it looks like he is going to be on the ballot for sure in November after uh, the various counties in that district, and there are a lot of them, certify uh, the write-ins, which I'm sure they will. I'm sure he's going to qualify. And once he gets on, seriously, uh, does anybody really care how he got on? So Jack Bergman, the incumbent Republican congressman, is not home free. He's still got to face Matt Morgan now in November, no matter the tortuous path that Matt Morgan took to get on the ballot. I'll be back in a minute with more. You're listening to The Political Insider with Bill Ballinger on MTN. Here's Bill. We're back. One other little tidbit this week, very minor, but worth noting. Um, State Representative Betty Cook Scott was uh, chastised roundly by fellow Democrats and many interest groups and the Michigan Democratic Party because um, on Election Day, she apparently, uh, while running for the state Senate against a sister state representative, Stephanie Chang, who is of Chinese descent uh, in Detroit, uh, kind of lost it and uh, called Stephanie Chang and her supporters Ching Chong, Ching Chong, a racial slur. And she was roundly denounced, uh, cries for an apology at the very least from a lot of Democrats, a lot of Democratic affiliated groups. And finally, Betty Cook Scott did apologize yesterday, said this is uh, unacceptable behavior. I deeply uh, regret my words. I shouldn't have done it, et cetera, et cetera. So kind of interesting. Uh, This is a racial slur involving Asiatic Americans and African-Americans. You don't hear this very often, but sometimes it can happen in unexpected places. We had... The biggest news this week, I mean, I don't know what took me so long to get to it. Uh, the Republican nominee for governor, Bill Schuette, picked a running mate. And it is Lisa Posthumus Lyons. She is now the elected Kent County clerk. 
she had served three two-year terms in the state house before she was term limited at the end of 2016. If you recognize that middle name posthumous, it's no coincidence. Um, she is the daughter of Dick posthumous who was Lieutenant governor. If you can believe this way back 20 years ago, uh, 16 to 20 years ago, he served from 1999 to the end of 2002. He was John Engler's last Lieutenant governor. Before that, he was the Senate majority leader and he'd been a state Senator for a long time. And for the last eight years, he has been a key advisor to governor Rick Snyder. He's been in charge by and large of legislative liaison. He served governor Snyder for eight years, very ably. And I think, uh, near the end of Rick Snyder's tenure as governor, Dick Posthumus has basically taken over as chief of staff. And I think Bill Schutte's choice of Lisa Posthumus Lyons, Dick's daughter, is inspired at least for the reason that it might help Bill Schutte and Rick Snyder patch things over long enough to get to November 6th, the general election. Without Rick Snyder uh, making snarky comments about Bill Schutte, because the two of them don't get along, have some real policy differences and differences uh, with respect to the Flint water crisis and the fact that Bill Schutte has indicted uh, a department director under Rick Snyder and also Rick Snyder's chief medical uh, advisor. And we still don't know whether those two, Nick Lyon and Eden Wells, are going to be bound over for trial uh, next month. Uh, the decision is going to be in a matter of days. Uh, so there's some bad blood between Rick Snyder and Bill Schutte. But if Bill Schutte picks Lisa Posthumous Lyons as his running mate, does Rick Snyder really want to sabotage Bill Schutte's campaign for governor? Does he want to do something really wild and crazy like endorse Gretchen Whitmer? I don't think so. Uh, I think this maybe keeps Rick Snyder on the reservation and uh, we'll see whether uh, he shows up at the uh, Republican state convention and uh, exactly what materializes in the campaign this fall. Elisa uh, Posthumous Lyons is kind of a hard charger. She's outspoken. She's made some controversial remarks in the past. Um, she faced questions when the uh, press conference was held in Grand Rapids earlier this week, where Bill Schutte announced her as his running mate about whether she's changed her mind about Donald Trump. Because after the Access Hollywood tape was released in the fall of 2016, I think everybody remembers this, uh, where Donald Trump made uh, very misogynistic uh, remarks about women and his treatment of women. Uh, Lisa Posthumous Lyons said, I have no respect for this. I will not vote for him. And uh, this week at the press conference, uh, she refused to acknowledge that she did vote for him, that she changed her mind and voted for him. Uh, Brian Kelly was pounded relentlessly by Bill Schutte during the primary campaign for having deserted Donald Trump in the fall of 2016, withdrawn his 
endorsement after the Access Hollywood tape was released. But Brian Kelly at least came back and said, you know, I may have withdrawn my endorsement, but I voted for Trump. Well, Lisa Posthumous Lyons will not even say she did that. All she'll say is, I support him now. And he's proving to be a good president. His policies have been good for the country. I support them. The economy is firing on all cylinders. I like the tax cuts he put in place. And so she is probably going to have to continue to answer questions along this line all fall long, particularly when you've got a president who might say something wild and crazy at any moment. And then you can imagine the news media rushing to Lisa posthumous lines and say, well, what do you think now? So she's got to worry about that. The other big thing we should be looking forward to are these state conventions and they come up about a week from now. Um, really the Democrats are going to make their choices known a week from Sunday. And that's going to be in the Breslin center in East Lansing. A day earlier, the Republicans will have met in the Lansing Center, which is in downtown Lansing, and they'll make their choices. Choices of what? Well, that's where legally they nominate Lieutenant Governor, Attorney General, Secretary of State. They nominate their two Supreme Court justices that they're going to have on the ballot this fall. Uh, they nominate everybody that's going to be running for the state board of education, the university of Michigan board of regents, the Wayne state university board of governors and the Michigan state university board of trustees. That's all going to happen. And there's some really wild races going on. Uh, there are something like 14 candidates running for the MSU board of trustees in the wake of the Larry Nasser scandal. Um, and you've got money being raised, uh, Jocelyn Benson, who is going to be the, uh, democratic nominee for secretary of state. She has raised a huge amount of money, uh, which, you know, she may spend a little bit at the convention. She's really basically unopposed, but she's got to, you know, get the excitement going, get people energized. Uh, Tom Leonard, who's running for attorney general on the Republican side, he's raised a lot of money. And uh, among the state Supreme Court candidates, Sam Bagenstos, the Democrat running, has raised the most money. But uh, I think probably Megan Kavanaugh, his likely running mate for the Supreme Court, is going to be more of a threat to the Republicans than him. I'll be back in a second with our guest this week, Jake Davison of Inside Michigan Politics. You're listening to The Political Insider with Bill Ballinger on MTN. Here's Bill. All right, we've got a guest this morning. Jake Davison is the owner, publisher, editor, chief cook and bottle washer of Inside Michigan Politics newsletter. Jake Davison, welcome to The Political Insider. Well, thanks for having me, Bill. I want to ask you, what did you think of gubernatorial nominee for the Republicans, Bill Schuette's choice of Lisa Posthumous Lyons? Uh, I thought it was a great choice. I mean, Candace Miller would have been even better, but uh, that would almost be a demotion for Candace, um, frankly. Uh, so besides her, um, you know, she's a great choice. Uh, she's female. 
she's not only from West Michigan. I mean, her dad is, uh, you know, former state senator, former state Senate majority leader, former lieutenant governor, former 2002 Republican gubernatorial uh, nominee, Dick Postumus. She's the uh, clerk of all of Kent County. Um, so you really got West Michigan nailed down. She's smart, but she isn't so senior that there might ever be issues with her, you know, feeling like uh, she's not being given enough attention or power or whatnot. She's a team player. Um, now, she did, uh, similar to Brian Kelly in the fall of 16, she said she uh, wasn't going to vote for Donald Trump. But I don't think that's a big deal. She's on board. She's not hasn't made any trouble since he won the election. Um, so I think uh, the convention goers uh, next weekend will be fine with that. Yeah, she refused to acknowledge two questions from the media this week that she, in fact, as Brian Kelly claims he did, actually ended up voting for Donald Trump. She refused to say that she did, but she, she said really, no uh, problem. She said didn't. I support him now. It would be great, uh, you know, I mean, you know, she could say that she did vote for him, even if she didn't, because we don't know. But even if she said, if she just said, look, I didn't vote for him, I didn't vote for Hillary Clinton, I'm all, I'm on board for 2020 and everything. And I mean, just not answering the question is just going to mean it's going to be asked a million more times. So, right. But besides that, uh, she's a great choice. So what do you think about Gretchen? Whitmer, what's she going to do in picking a running mate? She hasn't made her decision yet, and the conventions are only a week away. Uh, that's where the nomination is going to be made, and I think Gretchen Whitmer's got a really tough decision to make. Well, uh, apparently, according to Democratic politics, it has to be an African-American because there's always been an African-American in one of the big four slots statewide, at least 1970, right, Dick Austin? Right. Um. And uh, Dana Nessel, uh, for the Attorney General nominee, I mean, she's the nominee unless she commits some horrible felony in the next several days, which she won't. Uh, she's a, a white woman. Um, Jocelyn Benson, their Secretary of State uh, candidate, a white woman. Gretchen Whitmer is obviously a white woman. Um, but Lieutenant Governor candidate, I think, is far more important. You know, if, if the candidate for governor wins, then in four or eight, year, or eight years, that person, like Brian Kelly, has a shot at the governor's office. Um, but uh, I mean, there's, there's, uh, I mean, what about, what about Morris Hood? He's a state senator, termed out. I've never heard anything bad. I mean, all they have to do really is not have a, not cause trouble or make any huge mistakes. And I mean, it's even less important than a vice presidential pick for a presidential candidate, in my mind. Do you think it's just as important that she pick a male uh, for lieutenant governor uh, in addition to being African-American? Because otherwise, you got an all-white female ticket. Right. Well, I, I don't think the, the female aspect, having all women, is uh, going to be a big deal. I mean, I don't think voters go into the polls and, I mean, they might think, okay, I mean, there might be a still be a handful of men out there who think, uh, you know, governor, that's a tough job. We need a tough man in there. And there's whatever few of those that are left. I don't think they, they vote for uh, governor, attorney general, secretary of state, and uh, lieutenant, gov well, lieutenant governor's uh, the same vote as governor. They're on the same ticket. Um, I don't think if by the time they get down there, they're like, hey, it's been all women on this side so far. I just don't think 
you know, a fourth, you know, if it, the fourth one isn't going to be a big deal. I don't think men are going to get offended like they feel like they're lost out of power or anything. So, and hey, you know, so they're trying to make this some kind of year of the woman. Why not? Exactly. What about the state conventions coming up uh, a week from now? Republicans uh, meeting at the Lansing Center uh, Saturday and the next day in the Breslin Center, the Democrats. Uh, what do you think is likely to happen? What is potentially uh, maybe controversial or unusual at either of those conventions in your mind? <clears throat> well, as far I'm, I haven't... Uh a lot of attention to the state board races, which uh, I'm not that fascinated with, but I'll check them out pretty soon. Um, the uh, there's two Supreme Court uh, seats up, uh, but the Republicans are almost certain to win those. With because uh, Kurt Wilder was appointed uh, by Governor Snyder to replace Bob Young, and Beth Clement was appointed to replace Joan Larson. Of course, they go on the ballot not just with their name, but it says it says Justice Kurt Wilder and Justice. Beth Clement, which is very hard to overcome, unless you're Cliff Taylor and you somehow blow it, but that's a whole other story. <laughs> it's very rare, as you know, that uh, an incumbent Supreme Court justice gets beat. I think it was uh, you know, Taylor in 08, and then you'd have to go back to 84 with uh, Dorothy Comstock Riley beating, I forget the person's name. Tom, I Thomas Giles Kavanaugh, yeah. Oh, okay. Um, that the, in both conventions, uh, really the on the Democratic side, they've already practically nominated uh, back in April their uh, you know, Jocelyn Benson for Secretary of State and Dana Nessel for Attorney General. Uh, on the Republican side, Tom Leonard uh, is definitely going to uh, beat Tanya Shootmaker. It's just a, a matter of uh, whether she stays in, drops out, and you know tries to come away with some kind of positiveness uh, from this. Um, the Republican Secretary of State race, though, is, is up in the air between uh, Mary Treader Lang. Who I, who I had not heard of um, until several months ago when she got into the race. Uh, she's a uh, Eastern Michigan University trustee. Uh, and there's, she, her main opponent is Stan Grott, who's a longtime Republican uh, activist, a uh, big guy in Macomb County. Um, there's a third candidate, uh, Joseph Guzman, but uh, he's not going to factor in very much at all. So that's really the most interesting race. Everything else is pretty much set unless you are really fascinated by uh, one of the four Ed Board races. So. Well, for the Republicans, do you think it makes any difference uh, which one of those three, uh, Guzman, Grot, or Trader Lang, win? Uh, does either have any, any one of the three have a better chance against Jocelyn Benson than the others? And do you think Jocelyn Benson is going to be a big favorite uh, for Secretary of State or not? Um, yeah, it, it's, it depends on the top of the ticket. Cause at the top of the ticket, you'll have Shooty versus Whitmer. If Whitmer, uh, you know, whichever one uh, beats the other, if it's extremely close, it's one thing. If, uh, one candidate beats the other by 10 or 12%, uh, you know, that helps, uh, all the candidates in their party down the ticket. The second person on the ticket would be, uh, Debbie Stabenow, who, although the Republican nominee, John James is an excellent candidate. I mean, everyone just loves him on the Republican side. Very exciting. He doesn't have, I mean, his, his race has already been successful, but he's just not going to beat Debbie Stabenow. Um, so uh, I would say that, well, Guzman is more of a activist, and I, I mean, he doesn't really have a chance of finishing second at all. 
Uh, Mary Treader Lang seems like the safer choice, although she has not been a name in the party for very long at all. Candace Miller, former secretary, former secretary of state, has endorsed her, even though Stan Grott was uh, one of her, you know, key, you know, right-hand guys there in Macomb County for years and years. Mary Treader Lang, there's no negatives attached to her. Where Stan Grott has, uh, uh, you know, he's rubbed a lot of people the wrong way. And if, if you're very active in, in politics for a couple decades, you're going to make some enemies. And um, I think Mary Treader Lang probably be the safer choice for the Republicans, especially Jocelyn Benson, who's been running for this office for over a decade at least. Um, you know, she's going to going to be very hard to, to be in a debate. But whoever can raise more money also helps. Okay, we're going to take a quick break here, and then we'll be back with Jake Davison, publisher of Inside Michigan Politics. Back in a minute. is MTN, and you're listening to The Political Insider with Bill Ballinger. Here's Bill. We're back with our special guest, Jake Davison, owner, publisher, editor of Inside Michigan Politics newsletter. Um, Jake, let me just go back to Supreme Court for a minute at these uh, two state conventions. Do you think the Republicans uh, have any kind of a problem with uh, Beth Clement, Elizabeth Clement, because... She teamed up with uh, David Viviano, another Republican justice, and the two Democrats in several decisions in the past uh, month or so that have been very controversial in the Republican Party. Uh, One involved guns in schools. The other one involved the voters, not politicians, ballot proposal. I mean, do you think Beth Clement is actually going to show up at the convention and go around and talk to the caucuses and introduce herself? Because remember, she's never run for anything before. She was appointed by Snyder like five months ago, and all of a sudden she's asking them for their nomination. She doesn't need it legally to be on the ballot. She can nominate herself and she already has. She'll be on the ballot with the incumbency designation, as you noted. But is there some problem there potentially for the Republicans or not? Um, Yeah, that is one little bump in the road uh, that'll be interesting to see. Um, I think Beth Clement should definitely go to the convention. Um, You know, we're about, uh, you know, eight days away. We are eight days away from the Republicans voting. Um, And uh, I've not heard of any of uh, any Republican activists, even the most, uh, uh, even the most uh, troublemaking ones sometimes having come up with a name. I mean, are they really going to come up with a name of a judge who's going to want to go in there and like make all those enemies and probably not beat Beth Clement? And then end up you know, being on the outs for any future appointments to higher courts by Republicans. I really don't think so. And the two decisions that uh, the Republican activists are complaining about, uh, it, you know, the voters, not politicians, thing. She can just say, like, "Hey, I, I'm not going to vote for this thing. I'm not in, or not in favor." If she's allowed to say that, probably what she says is, "Like, I didn't say I was in favor of the policy, but unfortunately, they had their you know they had their eyes dotted and their teeth crossed and." Uh, there was no reason to kick him off the ballot, or I think that's what that decision was about. And the guns in schools, she'd probably say, hey, you know, uh, if the legislature would pass a different law, then we could have, you know, more guns in schools. Uh, 
but uh, you, you know, I've interpreted the law, and I, you know, if you want to complain about the law, you should tell your legislators to pass, you know, new laws, and then go into how wonderful it is to be a strict constructionist. And yeah, I don't think she should run away from that. Also, Beth Clements, I don't, I mean, uh, I don't know much. I don't really follow the justices uh, very, very closely, but she, uh, um, you know, I've heard good things uh, about her from people like John Pirich, and I mean, she was appointed to the court for a reason. Um, so I think that's not going to be much of a big deal. Okay, let's go back to the August 7th primary. Um, what takeaways do you have from the August 7th primary on both sides of the ballot, Democrat and Republican? I know it seems like ancient history now. <laughs> Things move so fast in politics, but, you know, a lot happened. Uh, a couple of incumbents got knocked off. Unexpectedly, mm-hmm. three incumbents got knocked off. Legislators, one senator, two representatives. Um, there were, you know, the question of total vote cast, uh, for Republican candidates in the aggregate statewide versus total aggregate votes for Democrats. Uh, total turnout was a record, uh, all time in Michigan. Uh, anything else that you look at that you think is significant? Um, you know, those would definitely be, uh, be the issues. Uh, you know, there's some, uh, districts that are going to be competitive in November where, uh, for instance, the 13th State Senate District, where uh, uh, the Democrats have uh, uh, Mallory McMurrow running against uh, incumbent Marty Nolenberg. Uh, apparently, the Democrats uh, had a lot more votes in their in their primary than uh, the Republicans did in theirs in that district. But uh, on the other hand, uh, in the 31st District uh, in Bay, Tuscola, and Lapeer counties, uh, the Republican, which is also a competitive uh, district, um, the Republicans had far more votes on their side in that district than the Democrats did. I don't really know how to read that necessarily. Um, I think sometimes when, uh, especially if somebody's running an unopposed in a primary like you know, Senator Nolenberg was, people will go in and maybe not vote if there's just only one person to vote for. But in November, that doesn't mean they're not going to vote for that person uh, in, uh, in November. You know what I mean? Right. It's hard to say. There's different theories on that. What other districts around the state, let's say on the state Senate side, do you think the Republicans are vulnerable? Remember, going into the election, they're going to have a huge 27 to 11 uh, majority edge in the Senate. And, you know, they could lose seven seats, which would be massive, and they'd still be in control of the state Senate 2018. Uh, You mentioned Nolenberg's district. You mentioned uh, the open uh, Mike Green seat up in Tuscola, Bay Counties, that area. What other districts do you see the Democrats having a good chance in? Well, I, um, they, I think uh, when it, really they should have a good year. They should pick up, I would say, I was forced to pick one number. I would say they pick up three seats because the uh, thing is you have to look at them district by district and say in the 13th, um, that's a winnable district for Democrats. It leans Republicans. But I just don't think Marty Nolenberg is uh, going to make, you know, make any you know, forced errors especially against a candidate who I think, uh, is a, you know, she's a first-time candidate. And uh, although she's raised a lot of money and will make some trouble for uh, Senator Nolenberg, I don't see her coming across the finish line. And in, the, in that Bay County, uh, Tuscola County seat, I think Kevin Daly, uh, I know him. He's not the kind of person who's going to fumble the ball away. Um, I'd say they probably get uh, the UP district back. Scott Dianda is uh, a very conservative Democrat up there. Um, they might, Winnie Brinks may uh, uh, take the, that seat in uh, Kent County. And then my third, maybe a fourth one, but that's, they don't get more than four. And I would, I would bet on three if I had to pick a number. Well, what about Kalamazoo, Mike? 
Gosh, that was the closest race oh. in the state four years ago uh, with Margaret O'Brien beating Sean McCann by something like 150 votes. Yeah, well, uh, you know, there's going to be McCann versus O'Brien again. O'Brien's had uh, four years of incumbency. Uh, she's um, known to, she actually has been called the hardest worker of all of their incumbent targeted seats, which is saying something. And the people I've heard that from are people I know. They don't just say that nice. Um, that is that. Uh, that could be that third or fourth seat that uh, Republicans potentially lose. But well, the Democrats seem to be basing so much uh, of uh, their their good feelings on the idea that there's going to be this anti-Trump wave. Now, I can't speak to what might happen in California or Connecticut or other parts of the country, but in Michigan, I mean, I don't. It was hard for me to believe that Trump, you know, was able to win the state, albeit very narrowly in the less than 50 percent, and because Hillary made a lot of mistakes and whatnot. But he won the state of Michigan, which is a blue-leaning state for sure. And uh, now he'll have been president for almost two years. The economy is as good, I believe, as ever been in American history. Uh, it's as good as it was in 1999 or 1986 or whatnot. Um, and, uh, I don't know what other crazy thing he could say in the next three months is going to make anyone change their minds. As much as Democrats may hate him, they can only vote, you know, even if you hate Donald Trump, you know, a million times more than, you know, someone else might, you can only vote once. I mean, I just don't see it flipping many seats around this state. What about the state house of representatives? Uh, right now it's uh, pretty much 73, excuse me, 63 Republicans, 47 Democrats. Uh, actually, there's one open seat, but, you know, that's pretty much what it is. You see the Democrats picking up seats in the House, and if so, where? Um, if, again, if I had to choose, I would, you know, I'd say they pick up uh, three or four. Um, in particular, uh, there's, the, there's a seat in Calhoun County um, that John Bison, who's now running for the Senate, uh, one that was a 55 or 54 percent Democratic seat. That's going to be very hard for Republicans to keep. Uh, so there's one. Um, there's a couple more around the state, but I don't see them picking up more than four or five. Although, you know, there's some huge thing could happen nationally. Um, but I, I just, with the team that Republicans have, I don't see Bill Schuette, you know, saying anything unbelievably regrettable. I mean, he's such a, he's such an experienced politician. Um, I just don't see a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of landmines going off between now and uh, November 6th. So, um, and those seats that were drawn by Republicans are still working for them. Yeah. What about the congressional delegation? It's nine Republicans, five Democrats. Do uh, you see any flips there? The Democrats are really going after the 11th district and the 8th district in Oakland County. Um, in the 11th uh, west part of Western Wayne is in that district. Do you see them making a breakthrough there? Again, if uh, well, with the, in the eighth, uh, if, you know, if I was forced to put my money down, I'd put it down on incumbent Mike Bishop still. Although, uh, you know, frankly, I don't want to, I don't want to bet any serious amount of money because uh, Alexis Blockin is uh, one of the greatest candidates that against an incumbent congressman that they found in a very long time, uh, especially for a first-time candidate. She's outraised the incumbent Mike Bishop in I believe two straight uh, quarters, which is very odd. But there's a lot for her to overcome there. I don't see Mike Bishop uh, making any big mistakes. Um, and in the 11th, though, uh, they have an even better chance of Democrats. Uh, Lena Epstein, is, uh, she won narrowly in a five-candidate race. And uh, their candidate, Haley Stevens, is much like Slack and that's uh, an all-star who kind of never run for office before. So both will be very interesting, those two. 
Thank you very much, Jake Davison. Observations on the August 7th Republican primary and on the upcoming state conventions and the choice of Lisa Posthumus Lyons as Lieutenant Governor running mate for Bill Schuette on the Republican ticket in November. Jake Davison, thank you so much. Thank you.